Hello, welcome once again to Cabin Devils. My name is David. Cabin Devils happens every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time. The next three episodes that you are going to be listening to are a series done by Dr. John Norris on the focus concerning the heart. Is the heart just a mere organ? Or what does the Bible refer to when it talks about the heart? And so... This has been a very interesting discussion that we've had and I decided to play for us these three episodes once again. At the end of the episode, please don't forget to subscribe, do not forget to leave a comment and share with friends and family. And now, here is a recorded version of the episode. Matthew 15, 18 to 20. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which define a man. I will repeat, I think these must be the words of Jesus Christ in Matthew 15, 18. Those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adultery, fornication, theft, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile, not define, so sorry. These are the things which defile a man. Now, initially, we trust in our ignorance, calling it innocence. And next, we trust our innocence, calling it purity. Then, when we hear these strong statements from our Lord, we shrink back saying, but I never felt any of those awful things in my heart. We resent what he reveals. Either Jesus Christ is the supreme authority on the human heart or he is not worth paying any attention to. I am prepared to trust the penetration of his word into my heart. Or would I prefer to trust my own innocent ignorance? Oswald Chambers continues to say. He says, if I will take an honest look at myself, becoming fully aware of my so-called innocence and putting it to the test, I am very likely to have a rude awakening that what Jesus Christ said is true, and I will be appalled to the possibilities of the evil and the wrong within me. But as long as I remain under the false security of my own innocence, I am living in a fool's paradise. If I have never been an openly rude and abusive person, the only reason is my own cowardice coupled with the sense of protection I receive from a living from living a civilized life. But when I open and completely expose before God, I find that Jesus Christ is right in his diagnosis of me. And I think that's a very beautiful call for each one of us to just search our hearts and, and, and just maybe like the psalmist prays, it says, search my heart, O God, and see if there's any iniquity in me and bring me to the way everlasting. I pray that each one of us will be able to do the same. Oswald Chamber says that the only thing that truly provides protection is the redemption of Jesus Christ. If I will simply hand myself over to him, I will never have to experience the terrible possibilities that lie within my heart. Purity is something far too deep for me to arrive at naturally. But when the Holy Spirit comes into me, he brings into 
the center of my personal life, the very spirit that was exhibited in the life of Jesus Christ, namely the Holy Spirit, which is absolutely unblemished purity. And that's each one of our prayers, that we will be pure, we will be pure. And today we are joined by Dr. John Norris. Dr. John Norris, why don't you greet the listeners this evening? Maybe they've not even heard your voice yet. Yes, thank you, David. I, I appreciate all of you uh, taking your evening uh, with me. I'm, I'm uh, here in Clearwater, Florida, and uh, it's about uh, 90 degrees outside. We have beautiful sunshine. It's a little warm. But, um, but yes, I've just finished uh, caring for quite a few patients' uh, hearts today. And I'm delighted to be here with you this afternoon, here this evening for you over there. Amen. In fact, you do have a friend of mine with you in Florida. I don't know if she is in Florida right now. Katie, who just joined the live show right now. You guys must be in that same area. But Katie, you are welcome. And Dr. Norris, I know we met a while ago. And uh, I did visit your clinic uh, for a bit, the only heart clinic I've visited. And I do remember you telling us a story. I don't remember who the name of the person was, who came to you and you said these words. You say, I can either give you heart medicine, which would be the normal prescription, or I would prescribe for you the Holy Spirit. <laughs> that does not seem like um, a very logical answer to give someone who has come to you with a heart problem. But could you kind of tell, just take us back to that story and why is exactly would you prescribe the Holy Spirit to someone who has come to you with a physical heart condition? Well, it's a great uh, question, David. And I think uh, one of the things is that when a patient comes to me, they have symptoms. Uh, the symptoms that they have are either their heart's fluttering or having pain in their chest or short of breath, uh, or they feel lightheaded or dizzy when the heart flutters, they think they're going to pass out. So, so many times the symptoms don't declare uh, whether they're related to a physical problem or uh, a spiritual problem. And since uh, my job is to uh, take care of the whole person, I don't simply look at them as a physical being with a physical organ, the heart. I, I look at them as a spirit who is embodied in a physical body, and that's what we call a soul. So every, every person that I see, like you, when you came to our clinic, um, you know, you were a soul to me. So this is my friend, the soul of David Tubirier, is a spirit in a body. And so when we do the tests, uh, we do tests looking at the physical heart, uh, like an EKG uh, or an echocardiogram or sometimes a stress test. And those, those help us to, to define the physical nature of the heart. And, and when the physical tests all come out normal, um, then, then I think uh, it's often a spiritual problem and uh, the spirit is the right answer for those kind of problems. And I don't know about in, where, where you are, David, in, in, in Africa, uh, but here in the U.S., we've got quite a few people who are having uh, spirit-related problems to this whole COVID thing. And there's quite a bit of fear. And I'd say probably um, uh, maybe a third of the patients that I see in my office are experiencing uh, intense anxiety, uh, sometimes depression, even suicidal 
thoughts because of how oppressive uh, the spiritual realm has gotten. And so to me, and I hope to the listeners uh, this week, we can talk about how uh, the heart uh, really is the key and not just, um, you know, the physical aspects or understanding your physical heart or your physical makeup, but, um, but your spiritual makeup. And, and as you mentioned, David, um, there's a lot of scriptures. So, for example, in Psalm 139, David asks the Lord to search him and know him and to try his heart and to see, you know, and help David to, to discern and understand what's going on there. And then, of course, in, in Psalm 51, which is the famous one after he's um, committed adultery with uh, Bathsheba, David says to God, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. So David is realizing that uh, just as you mentioned uh, from your, your passages about Jesus in Matthew, that uh, David's uh, heart wasn't right with God when he made those decisions. And, and yet, we find David as commended in, in 1 Samuel as a guy who's after God's own heart. Wow, I'm, I'm looking forward to what we are going to be looking at this week. There has been also some very, not confusing, but difficult to understand passages. Uh, I mean, when you talk about the heart, and I know when, when he did, David did pray, uh, search my heart, O Lord, um, because so much is taking place in David's heart. And you did mention a couple of words there in your explanation that can be confusing when you talk about looking at David as the soul. And I know we've had this conversation before. Um, and I, I did make a conclusion um, from that discussion we had when you looked at, in this example, David, the soul, um, that, you know, we as human beings have been taught either by culture to begin to look at people based on how they're dressed. Um, I was watching a movie once, I forget what movie, and it's one of those detectives or CIA, FBI, and this FBI agent is talking and said, one of the things that happens publicly is women are perceived as less threatening. And so they make the best uh, spies in that example. But you look at someone and you can tell by the way they are dressed if they're a threat or not. And we begin to perceive people based on their color, based on um, where they come from, based on how they are dressed, based on their accent, and based on their height, the color of their hair, the size of their hair. But I love the expression you just used right there, David the soul. And at that point, you begin to look at another human being with a very different uh, perspective, which I believe is God's perspective. Because when he formed man out of the dust of the ground, he breathed in his nostrils and he became a living soul. Now, I come to the very difficult question here, which is uh, one of the greatest commandments. When he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. I hope I got those words correctly in their order. But those three concepts seem to be three different words with three different meanings. How would you explain that? Well, we're going we're gonna to need like weeks and weeks of, of podcasts. <laughs> I know, David, when you and I talked about this last, that's when you said, can you do three, uh, you know, devotions in a row so that we can get to mm -hmm. this? 
and and I will say yes. I I think that what what we're talking about is the spiritual nature of man, and man is very complex spiritually. Um, we we tend sometimes to to think of man uh, as a physical you know body with a brain. So those are are physical uh, parts of us, and then we think that we're spiritual, and so we have a spirit. But then uh, the terms uh, that are used in the scripture to define our spirit are, are things like the heart and the mind and the soul and the flesh, even. Uh, that's an aspect of our uh, spiritual nature that sometimes leads us uh, away uh, from God. And, and so, you know, yes, you're, you're kind of hitting on a, a very deep thing to understand. And I think that for us to understand the other aspects, the soul and the mind and the flesh in particular, I think uh, we have to first understand the heart. And I think that's that to me, you know, I, I love uh, David's uh, Psalm 139. He actually, it's interesting, if you read through that Psalm, you get almost to the end. And David keeps saying, if I go here, you'll find me. If I run away here, you'll find me. You'll see, search me because you know me. And then in Psalm 139, 23, he says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And so what David is saying essentially is he knows that the ultimate thing for him is to have his heart known by God. And I think that's one of the real keys for us is, is, is God, he's omniscient and he's omnipotent. So of course he knows everything, but the, what, what God is looking for is a relationship from us where we actually open our heart, like David is here in Psalm 139, to being known by God. And I think a lot of times believers think that, that God just kind of does that, that he, he, he comes in and kind of starts, you know, opening our, our spirit and opening us, you know, like a present that he has a right to. But what he has done is he has actually asked us to invite him to do that. And uh, the passage actually that, that, that to me comes most to mind is in Revelation 3, when Jesus is talking to the uh, church in uh, Laodicea in, in, in Revelation 3, where he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Jesus says, if anyone hears my voice and he opens the door, I will come into him and I will dine with him and he with me. So it's, it's as though Jesus invites, and in that instance, it was a church, but I think in, in the instances that we're talking about, that's the aspect of our being that, that we have to open an invitation for God to come in and, and see us and search us and know us. And then in that same way, uh, when we feel known by God, then we know God better. And I hope that makes sense. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. I want to ask you one last question. It's going to be a very quick one before sure. I can give you your 30 minutes uninterrupted. I checked you out online, um, trying to look at your profile. Yes. <laughs> and... Your qualifications are threatening in every way. Um, <laughs> when, when I, <laughs> they, 
<laughs> I mean, the most we have done, the most I have done is uh, is a high school certificate with the bachelor's degree uh, in IT and one other paper that I'm pursuing right now. But man, you, you, I mean, and they, I believe there's even more papers or achievements that are missing because I know you do have, uh, I think, I believe it's a master's in biblical studies or something which you did while practicing at the same time. Uh, right now, I think you're pursuing another PhD or something. You must be in class uh, pursuing that. How do you protect your heart from developing the attitude of pride? Because for any man, uh, such qualifications kind of uh, communicate that I'm important in society. Now that we're talking about the heart, how have you managed to protect your heart from pride? Now, I believe 100% that also that uh, question can also be tricky and binding. Why? Because one who says they are humble, at that point they are prideful. But again, it's a quick question, but how have you over the years been able to protect your heart from, and I quote, swelling or becoming prideful, even with all these qualifications? And then after which I'll pray for you, and then we will have your 30 minutes uninterrupted. Dr. John. Sure. Gosh, David, uh, that is a tough question. I, I, and what I'll say is this. I, I teach uh, and mentor young men, uh, many of them who you know, and I actually have mentored some old men in my time and been mentored by very strong uh, Christians who themselves were very humble. Um, and, I, and I would say it is something that I, that I struggle with. I mean, I think, uh, um, pride is, uh, probably the biggest, uh, uh, way that the enemy will, will trip people up. And, uh, and I do think that we just have to be constantly aware that he is there. I'd say the other thing is my, my favorite passage of scripture is the Sermon on the Mount. So when I go back, um, to Matthew 5, uh, and Jesus starts talking about the, the Beatitudes, which I, which I call the beautiful attitudes of a follower of Christ. Um, the first one says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And, and to me, I think that's where it all starts. That's the foundation. And, uh, and every day when I think about just how fortunate I am to be a follower of Jesus, um, you know, I know that that's where my heart has to, to start is that I'm, I'm lucky guy to be called, uh, by him to be, uh, you know, have my name written in his book of life and to uh, have his blood have atoned for my sin. And so I, I, these qualifications aren't, I didn't start saying, Hey, I'd like to be qualified. I, I kind of through my life have realized how unqualified I am. And so I feel like, so when I started teaching um, in what we call the Bible Institute at my church, I thought, I, you know, I need a degree. So I had heard of Dallas uh, Theological Seminary. And so I took uh, classes there and went through a five-year master's program. And then, as you mentioned, David, the um, Doctor of Ministry program at Denver Seminary is what I'm in now. And I, I, I'd say, I, I think the the key thing is, when pride creeps up, it's not if pride creeps up. I think the word is repentance. Um, and, and to me, you, you can't just be humble because you can actually be proud of your humility then. 
And so I think um, the best way that I uh, think of that difficult question is to try to cultivate an attitude of repentance so that I know that when I sin, I will uh, recognize it and just ask the Lord to help help me see it quickly so that, um, you know, so that I can make a quick confession and, and experience his love and forgiveness, which is always there. And so I think that's the key. And uh, maybe after this last, I have four, four years, I told you that I'm going to be studying this stuff. Uh, so maybe after that, then I'll quit going to school and that will be less of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let's pray together. Let's pray together, Dr. Norris, and then uh, I'll ask you to just go ahead and share with us. Sure. Father, we thank you for this evening for us and maybe an afternoon for those who uh, are on the other side of the globe. Lord, we pray that uh, you just humble our hearts, um, we ask, because naturally we tend to be prideful. We tend not to see what is wrong with us. And like the psalmist prayed, Lord, we pray that during this time you will search our hearts and see if there's any iniquity in us and bring us to the way everlasting. That's all we ask. And this we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Dr. Norris, you're welcome. Amen. Uh, David, let me ask you a quick question. Is there time for uh, a group interaction or questions at the end? Or is this how, how do we, because I, I would like that if that's available. Um, yes, I'll, I will ask you some questions maybe at the end out of what okay. you're sharing. And okay. the audience right now is free to post their questions in the chat. I'll just show you where to post your questions. Uh, just a minute, post your questions here. And I'm sure you guys know where that is. There's a message right there that says, please input your message. Go ahead and ask any questions you'd like to ask uh, while Dr. Norris is speaking. And then uh, we'll take maybe two or three questions at the end. Dr. Norris? Okay, great, David. Uh, thank you, guys. And uh, thank you, David, for this uh, invitation. And I've, I've been delighted to, to uh, receive that. And then also to just think, how in the world could in three uh, devotions you know, could I kind of condense what I think about the heart, what I what I know about the heart, and and what I'd like to share about the heart? And the answer is that is impossible. But I'm I'm going to try to do it in three parts. Uh, the first today we're going to talk about the heart defined. So we're going to talk about the heart, and I'll and I'll give you kind of my view of the heart. Uh, and then the second thing is we'll talk about the heart developed. That's going to be on Wednesday. We'll talk about how the heart in you is developed, how the heart in people around you is developed. And then finally on Friday, uh, we'll talk about the heart devoted, how a developed heart that that when what we understand that then on Friday, uh, what does a a devoted heart looks like uh, look like? And of course, when we're talking about these uh, devotions. Uh, here, we're, we're, we're ultimately talking about how do we devote ourselves to God? Well, defining the heart, and what's interesting is for, for millennia, for, for centuries, uh, going all the way back to biblical times, uh, the heart was a mystery. 
And in fact, even though it shows up in uh, Scripture, in the Old Testament Scripture, some 850 times, uh, in the New Testament Scripture, the word in the Greek, cardia, is used more than 150 times. So over a thousand times in the Scripture, the heart is referred to. And it's really the, the central term when it comes to uh, defining man, defining a human being. Uh, when we've gotten into the more modern era and over the past uh, couple of hundred years where, you know, um, autopsies were done and uh, anatomies were done by, by great artists like da Vinci, uh, where we actually, you know, human bodies were opened up to, to start modern medicine and people start to realize, hey, this thing in the center of the body is really important and it's connected um, if you remember your biology classes, you know, four chambers in the heart, it's pumping blood through the body, through the aorta, the main blood vessel to all the different organs, and it pumps uh, blood to the lungs too, so that you get oxygenated blood that gets essentially recycled all the time back so that it goes through your whole body. And of course, as we're talking about this now and you're thinking about it, you don't have to do anything for that to happen. You just sit there and God has made it so that your heart exchanges all the nutrients and, and blood and oxygen and everything that every organ in you needs to function. And so I want us to think just for a minute about the physical body, because all bodily functions depend ultimately on a functioning heart. And that includes breathing, eating, hearing, seeing, tasting touch, smell, movement of any sort, like walking or running, swimming, uh, playing football, whether that's American football or soccer, uh, your football in, in Africa, David, or even sleeping. When we sleep, that all just keeps working. And then I want you to think about the fact that for you to experience any kind of emotion, whether that's sadness or happiness, anger, uh, or fear. Uh, any, all of that depends on a normally functioning heart. And, uh, and when the heart gets sick, and often I see patients who are very sick because of their heart, um, the, the bodily functions begin to stop. And when the heart uh, stops, ultimately life ceases. And so the heart is really at the core of a human being physically. And that's one of the things that David and I talked about. He alluded to it in, in Genesis 2. There's an account of how man was created. And it talks about how God created from the dust of the earth. So he shaped the body of a man first and made it into Adam. But Adam was lifeless. He just was there. And God had made a heart for Adam. But it wasn't beating. It wasn't moving. And then it says, and God breathed into Adam the breath of life. And I loved it that we start our cabin devotional today with just breathe, because that breath of life is the thing that God put into Adam, because when he put the spirit into Adam's body, then it says, and Adam became a living soul. So if you want to go back to the creation of man, it's in Genesis 2. It's right up front where Adam is physical 
and God breathes into him, making him spiritual. And it's really the combination of the spirit and the body in one that is what we call a living soul. Now, when I see patients, and like when David was here in my clinic, I did an EKG on him. Okay, and an EKG is a, an electrical test where we hook wires up to the arms and over the chest and the legs. And what we can see on a, on a uh, machine is the electrical representation of the normal beating of a heart. And my area of specialty in cardiology is what we call cardiac electrophysiology. So I can look at the electricity on a piece of paper that represents a person's heart and tell a lot about them. Uh, if they're feeling bad from an arrhythmia of the heart, or if they're having a heart attack or something like that, we can usually pick that up right away on the EKG. So that's one way that I look at the heart. I mentioned ultrasound before. We have Now we have this technology. It's the same technology that we use to look at babies in a pregnant lady. And we just rub the jelly up over the heart. And, and we can look using ultrasound at the heart and see how the heart moves, how the muscle moves, how the valves move, and see a lot about it. In fact, I think probably many of you, if you've had a baby ultrasound, the big thing is, oh, look, there's the heart. It's moving. You see the baby's heart? It's moving. And that's one of the things that we associate with life. When the heart is moving, there's a heartbeat. We think life is going on. Then there's some other tests that we do that I won't get, get into, but whenever we have to fix the heart, um, we have to put wires in the heart or we have to put dye in the heart or balloons or catheters or, or devices in the heart. Um, that is done in a more specific way where we have to look into greater depth into the physical realm of the heart. And so I'm already in, and, and I've been a physician since 1986. And so since I uh, became a physician, I've been fascinated with the heart. Um, my dad was an eye doctor as I was growing up. And when I went to medical school, I thought I wanted to be an eye doctor because my dad was. And when I was in medical school, they spent two days on the eyes and about two years on the heart. So I, I during my time, I, I became fascinated with the human heart and the complexities and also uh, the disease states. Well, as much as I'm interested in the physical aspect of the heart, God is interested in a deeper, more spiritual aspect of the heart, okay? And that is not just that the heart is the center of the physical body, but when God breathes in that spirit, the breath of life into Adam, his spirit in him, the heart in Adam, became the center of Adam's spiritual life. So the soul holds the spirit and the body together, and the heart is the center of the physical life, and the heart is also the center of the spiritual life. And what we get, we look back into 1 Samuel 16, 7, and, and if you remember the story, um, Samuel the prophet went to Jesse's home, and he was going to anoint the, the king of Israel, the next king after Saul, and um, he Jesse, you know, brought all of his sons out, and there was not one of them passed uh, the test for the prophet Samuel. 
And then he says to Jesse, well, don't you have anyone else? And of course, David was out tending the sheep. He says, well, we got one more out there, but he's just, he's just the, our youngest and he just tends the sheep. And, you know, he's, he's no, he says, bring him in. And he says, the Lord said to Samuel, Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I've rejected him. That was talking about the last guy who was at uh, Eliab. He says, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And the Lord doesn't look at the heart in the same way that we do. He doesn't use ultrasounds. He doesn't use um, the kinds of technology that we use. Uh, God has his spirit looking into our spirit, and his word, in a way, tests our heart too. So we're going to see that um, uh, as we go on in the uh, next couple of days, particularly tomorrow, uh, we're going to see. One of the things that's interesting is before a person comes to know God, okay? So when a person is born, this will be the story for every single one of us. Before we were aware of God or aware of anything related to God, our hearts were dark and were away, and they were they were not able to to even function in a in a real spiritual way, at least not in a way that pleased God. And the um, Jeremiah uh, writes this way. He says, "The heart is deceitful." above all things and beyond cure, he says, who can understand it? He asks that question, and at the same time, Jeremiah knows who can understand it. God understands the heart. God knows the heart. God is the one who sees the heart and sees it correctly, just like he did with David. And to me, as I'm looking uh, um, through this, what I see is that there is a character trait of a person who wants to know God and wants to be known by God, and that's the person who has a heart that is no longer desperately wicked. Now, there is a thing that occurs, and we're going to talk about it in great detail to, uh, Wednesday, but what happens is that God takes the dark heart out of a desperately wicked person, and he actually puts in a heart that he can move and, and, and make. He, he can motivate uh, a will in, and that is in Ezekiel 36, 26, if you want to look that up. Um, but I'm, I'm going to dwell on that a little bit Wednesday. Today, what I want to do is to just say, suffice it to say that when we define the heart, the heart is what God cares about. Uh, your mind is important, your flesh is important, all of those other things, but because the heart is the core of your being physically and spiritually and emotionally, really, your heart is what God wants. And how I know that too is from Jeremiah 29, verse 13, where where. Uh, God says this through the, through the prophet Jeremiah. He says, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Okay. So this notion 
that finding God has something to do with connecting your heart with his heart and, and being known by God as we are uh, as we know him. And this is the key is that that there's an aspect of opening our hearts to God where we seek him and search for him and find and find him when we have gone we we might use the term wholeheartedly after him when we pursue him if we pursue him kind of uh, nonchalantly or just uh, kind of intermittently and we're not really focused on him we're just trying to kind of catch a little God here and a little Jesus there and a little Holy Spirit there, um, he's not going to really let us find him until we're in it, until our hearts are in it. And so then the question, in fact, if you look back here at uh, this passage in uh, Jeremiah 29, 13, he says, and I will be found by you. Now he's talking here about his people Israel, but he talks about them in the same kind of way that he talks about us. He wants us to find him. God is not playing some kind of a shell game where where we seek him or we are spending time in his word and we're praying and we're trying to find him and, and where God is running away from us. Okay, that doesn't happen with God. It happens with us. When, when God is seeking a relationship with us, sometimes we run away from him. Sometimes we hide from him. Sometimes we pretend that we're not going to let him see certain parts of our heart, certain parts of our being. Uh, sometimes, as Adam and Eve did, you know, they committed this sin in the garden. They ate the fruit and, uh, and then, you know, they sewed these fig leaves on and, and then, you know, God comes up and says, kind of, what have you done? And, uh, and of course, the right response would have been for them right away to say, we, we disobeyed you. We, we did what we knew was wrong, and we chose to do it. But immediately, in the garden, right off the bat, the deceitful heart of man is identified. What is this that you've done? You know, you've, you've disobeyed me. And immediately, there's blame shifting, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, this woman who you gave me, God, you know, what was I to do? She handed it to me and I just reflexively took it and took a bite. Nobody wants to own the desperate wickedness of their own heart. And that's really true of us in our sinful nature. It's only when we see God and we see him clearly that we can be, um, I'd say, able to discern the, the wretchedness and the condition of our heart so that we can look to God and say, my heart isn't right. As David said in Psalm 51, renew, renew this heart. Take this heart and, and create a clean heart in me, God. Well, so you may be asking, and again, I'll say that there's, there's two real critical things in terms of understanding the heart for today. And that is that the heart is a sensory organ that allows us to perceive God. And that's something I'm sure you've probably not heard before. The heart is a sensory organ. If you were taught in kind of modern science, you're taught that you have 
five senses, that your, your senses are hearing, seeing, tasting, touching, and smell. Those are your, your five senses. And you experience the world around you with those five senses. But which of those five senses or sensory organs, your eyes or your ears or your taste or your touch or your smell, do you perceive God with? And the answer for most people is none. None of those organs allow you to perceive God. But if you would turn with me to Ephesians chapter 1, and I'll take you down to verse 15. Paul's writing an important thing here in verse 15. He says, For this reason, ever since I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. And if you have time later today and maybe tomorrow, go back to this passage in Ephesians 1. Paul has ministered to this church. There are Christians there. And these Christians are in Jesus, but they're still having trouble seeing God. And that's why in verse 18, Paul says, I pray that the eyes, and that word in the Greek is the ophthalmos, it's the exact word for eyes, of your heart, cardia, may be enlightened, fotizo, in other words, opened up. Now think of this, your heart has eyes. Who's told you that before? Your heart has eyes, and the purpose of the eyes of your heart is to allow you to see God. Now let me illustrate for just uh, a moment here, and I know, see we're coming down to our final 15 minutes, but we're going to enjoy this. Think, if you will, in your own mind now, of the person whom you know who, who impacted your life the most, who has died and passed on to be hopefully with the Lord. But think of that person just for a minute and get a mental picture of them in your mind. Now, think about what you felt at the moment that you heard or knew that that person was going to die. Did you experience that sensation with your fingers or your eyes or your ears or your taste or your touch or your smell? Nothing like that. You had what I had when my mom passed away at age 54. You had a, a hurt in the center of your chest or maybe up just below your neck that you couldn't describe, that there was something in there that just made a, a, a hard pain, and that was your heart. Your heart was sensing that. And the reason that I like to use that explanation is that 
pretty much everybody has had that kind of experience. Now, as much as that experience occurs for us when a loved one of ours passes on, the, the same organ that we sense that with is the organ that we are supposed to use to see God. It's the same organ that we're supposed to use to see needy, hurting people around us. And yes, it's the same organ that we're meant to use to love. When Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? He said, this is the greatest commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. He said, this is the first and greatest commandment. And he says, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He says, all the law hang on these two things. And the important thing is that that heart you have sees God. Because if your heart sees God, God's heart sees you. There's one other passage that I want to turn you to today that we're going to finish up with. And that is, I told you that the Sermon on the Mount is my favorite passage of Scripture. Uh, beautiful scenario uh, where Jesus is talking about these, these Beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes. And what he says is, uh, I think this is number five or six. He says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So if there was some confusion about your heart being a sensory organ, uh, there you have it in the Beatitudes, where, where Jesus says seeing God is available to the pure in heart. And I think, David, let's see, we've got about 10 minutes left for questions. I'm happy to go a little longer if you like, but, um, but that's what I would, would say. We're going to we're, we're gonna build on what we've talked about there today. And, uh, and I look forward to hearing any questions you might have now. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. John, uh, for our time together. Uh, I was continuing to listen to you until you stopped uh, for questions. But let's take some questions right now. Um, I know two of them came up in the chat. I did put those aside and recorded them. Some of them you have tried to answer. Um, uh, the first came from, uh, let me see if I can find the name. I don't think I can find the name. Uh, yes, it came from Quincy. Quincy says, asked the question, say, how can one discern the will of God for their life? And I did take the liberty to add to that question that I said, how can one know the heart of God um, uh, as well? And I know you did talk about that briefly as you're sharing with us um, um, but yeah, that's it's, it's a million dollar question. Why? Because it's been asked so many times and I've had several answers, but I would like to hear uh, your answer, Dr. John. How can one discern the will of God uh, for their lives? Because I want to believe with Quincy that that is a matter of the heart as well. Uh, that would be our first question for tonight. Dr. John. Exactly. She, she's exactly right. And I would say that is uh, a key. Is, is knowing that the heart is the organ that determines your will and is the organ that God uh, directs 
himself into your life into to help motivate your will. Uh, and in fact, what I think is, and there's a couple of passages that I would take you to in Proverbs uh, 16, 9, it says, in his mind, a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. So that tells you that, that your mind, which is distinct from the heart, we'll talk a little bit about that on Wednesday, but your mind, you use your mind and rationally think about these things. Um, and God's interested in what your plans are because your plans should coincide with God's plans. The second verse that I think really sums it up completely to the heart is in Psalm 37, 4. It says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So, so the, 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 as opposed to saying, okay, God, you know, should I have this job or this job or this job? Say, okay, God, I'm all in for you. Show me the job you want me to have. And I think that in that way, what we're saying to God is, I'm, I'm first, and force, uh, first and foremost committed to you, and then committed to what this course of life that you have. And, uh, and I think sometimes uh, there are two or three or more courses that would be perfectly suitable. Um, I think the other thing to do, and this is why understanding your heart is important, but also understanding your flesh is important, uh, your flesh will almost always want to take the path of least resistance and, and most gratification. So if you're discerning and thinking about something and it's, you know, and it's easy and it's not any real sweat for you to do, it's probably not God. Um, mostly God calls us to do things that are beyond us and that without his spirit, without his power, uh, we will struggle to accomplish. And so I think that's that's another key that I have. Uh, and I'd say journaling for me has been very important in discerning God's will. Um, God's will, I think, uh, you know, he doesn't change his mind as as quickly and easily as human beings do. He, he shows us things. He helps direct our paths. And then we have to decide, are we going to follow, even though it may be more difficult, more you know, cost, so to speak, to us and, and less, um, you know, but, it, but, but clearly God will not allow us to miss that. So I would say be regular about your, your asking, uh, be sincere, and I'd say be open and willing to do something that you may not at first think is the best thing for you, but that God may have for you. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Uh, Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself with the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. I did hear, I think it was uh, Brian uh, Robinson once uh, referred to this uh, verse, but one of the contradicting, not contradicting, but um, statement that we must pay attention to is the last part of Psalm 37 uh, that does talk about he'll give you the desires of your heart. And Brian gave this example. I don't know where he got it from, but he says sometimes when we pray to God, we pray to him to fix our gods, if I can put it that way. Yeah. The things we worship and say, God, please fix my gods. 
and we are not praying to him as the almighty god and those are not desires i think he will he will uh, he will gratify or he'll be able to meet because those are now becoming other gods how that leads me to the second question that was asked by grace and says the heart is indeed special what are your thoughts on how to guard one's heart and I think this will also lead us to the last question I asked you concerning how you've guided guarded your heart against pride. But she's asking, I think, for some of the practices or the same way you do have uh, practices that you recommend for those who come to you with uh, um, difficult hearts that uh, maybe breaking down and say, hey, change your diet or do some jogging. or But what are some of the practices or what are some of the ways in which one can guard their heart? That's the question that Grace uh, is asking. Dr. Yeah, John. excellent, uh, excellent questions. And I, I think that we'll cover that in great detail on uh, Wednesday because that to me, so we've defined the heart today. On Wednesday, we're going to develop the heart. And, and that's going to talk about what practices mm. are what we would call heart healthy habits. What are the mm. habits that I can develop to, to see my heart, to see it clearly, um, to try to understand it a little bit better, and then to try to help not just my heart get stronger in a spiritual sense and, and help me discern the will of God, um, but, but to keep me from slipping into that kind of selfish heart or the, uh, the heart that is, uh, is hardening on the other uh, side. And so uh, the, the, the ones that I think are essential uh, for every believer every day are uh, time daily alone with God. Um, and that time daily alone with him should include some scripture study, uh, some uh, reflection and some prayer. And, and I think you can do that in any order. Uh, I think prayer and then scripture study, and then prayer, and then meditation and prayer. And if I was not a busy physician, I would do that. But, um, you know, since I tell you guys, I, I want to be uh, honest, you know, I get up early in the morning and spend time with God and have done that for years. And I think that that is a key thing. Some, some people think that uh, it doesn't matter. Um, for me, it seems to work the best early. Uh, I think what that does is it shows God that he is your top priority. Uh, if you get up and you do other things, you work or you do other things, and then, you know, later in the evening you sit down and say, okay, God, I'm going to spend some time with you now. It sends a message to me that you're not seeking him with all your heart. And and I'll just say that's the way I feel about it. I don't think that that's a, uh, you know, it's not a, an issue of salvation, but it's if you're seeking him wholeheartedly, you will wake up in the morning and feel, I want to spend time with the Lord. I want to spend time with him in prayer, in his word. I, I really want to, to know him better, and I want him to know me. Thank you, and thank you. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Morris. It's been such a wonderful hour. Uh, with you and just uh, being able to learn from you. I cannot wait. I think I share Grace's uh, expression right there and says, I'll definitely be here on Wednesday <laughs> waiting to 
waiting to be uh, ministered to uh, by you. I'm just reading a small paragraph here that uh, Dr. Norris forwarded to me. He said, on Wednesday, May 5th, we'll discuss how the heart is developed, both physically and spiritually, and how both care of the body, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and the mind relate to the heart. We will review several heart health habits that assist a believer in participating in the growth and development uh, process. I really cannot wait for Wednesday. So thank you once again, Dr. Norris, for being here with us. I think I've been blessed. Thank you, and thank you one more time. I want to ask you if you have any final words, any final greetings, maybe something that came to mind as you are speaking. Now is the time. Otherwise, we have about one minute to the top of the hour, and we'll be ending our show today and picking it up on Wednesday. Any final thoughts, Dr. John? So I'll say my, my heart is full, and, uh, and and whenever I've, you know, I, I've enjoyed talking, even though we can't see each other, and mm. um, I'm, I'm just hoping that, that your hearts have been blessed, and that as we uh, continue this discussion, that you'll be, you know, inviting the Lord to help you each day more and more and more understand mm. your heart and his heart for you. Amen. Amen and amen. All right, guys, let me remind you, those of you who are in Uganda or the neighboring countries and those who can support one of the causes that we have going on right now, we've called it Samaritan Sunday, where we are taking up uh, your gently used clothes. Right now, from the last uh, cataloging that we did, we have 400 pieces of clothes out of 900. Why do we say 900? We want to at least target 300 people, each of them receiving three pieces, at least three pieces uh, of items that they would like to take home. And during that time, we'll simply have gospel conversations uh, with them. And so if you'd like to participate in that, please send me an email at campinthecloud at icloud.com. A good question from Mimi Gal. She's asking the question, what's the pickup point? Several options. One is to drop them at Word of Life here in Lumuli. Number two, I do have a gentleman, a friend, who is helping me in the area around Intinda, Nakawa, Chisasi. That's at Agape Baptist Church in Intinda. You can drop them there. Just ask for Pastor Seth or Pastor Gonzaga. He will be able to receive those for me. But thank you so much, Mimiga, for asking. And guys, have a good night. We will see you on Wednesday. Oh, by the way, if you are unable to send your clothes, you can send us financial help. We shall be able to buy those clothes or to help with the event. We need to feed the staff who will be coming. We need to also put up some food items, maybe to be taken as items as well. And so your financial help will help in that sense. Just send me an email at campingthecloud at icloud.com. That was episode one out of three in this three-part series concerning the heart. Be sure to listen to part two and part three. Once again, do not forget to leave a comment and share with friends and family. Ask them to subscribe as well. And remember, Cabin Devils happens every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 9 p.m. East African time, live here on Podbean.